You're listening to audio from Grove Park Baptist Church. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.groveparkchurch.net. Last week, we looked at all that goes into preparing the guest list for our parties. And it would be nice if that's all we had to worry about as we prepare for a party. But it's more than just the guest list that's involved. We have to prepare for where we're going to have the party. We have to prepare the invitations for the party. We have to create a shopping list for all the things that we're going to need to, to make sure that the party is a success and that we don't run out of anything. We've got to make sure there's enough parking for the party. The list just goes on and on and on about preparing for the party. So how do we prepare? Well, first, I think it's important to return to the guest list this morning. And and just before we send out the invitations, make sure that there is no one that we forgot. Notice with me, verses 27 and 28 this morning. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. It's important this morning to, to note something from the start that times haven't changed that much. Tax collectors aren't very well liked today and they weren't very well liked then. In fact, there was a rabbinic law about tax collectors. They were under a ban. They couldn't give money to the alms boxes in the local synagogue or the temple. They, they couldn't judge and, or give testimony in court. They were considered no better than a thief or a murderer. And yet, Jesus goes out and calls a tax collector to follow him. Why? Well, quite honestly, beloved, this morning I I think that Jesus had been watching Levi for some time. You recall a a while back we were in Mark chapter 2 studying Jesus' healing of the paralytic as he was lowered in through the ceiling That uh, narrative occurs just before the text here this morning. And when we read the text, we remember in Mark 2 that Mark says that this all occurred at at Jesus' house. And so when we see here this morning after he went out, after this he went out, literally Jesus got up and walked out of the house and boom, it would appear there is the tax booth. So there is interaction here with Levi that could be, we believe, long-standing. Levi is Jesus' neighbor. Regardless, though, of where it's positioned, Jesus came and went from Capernaum many times, and the tax booth was set up on the road going in and out. Is how they tax. It was an international uh, byway, and that's how they raised taxes. And so as Jesus came and went from Capernaum, There had to have been interaction with Levi. So, why did he call him? Maybe he saw something in Levi. Maybe he saw something different from all the other tax collectors. Maybe Levi was a a fair tax collector. Maybe he was kind. Maybe he... Wasn't in it for the money. We don't know what it was that Jesus saw, but we do know that when Levi was told, Follow me by Jesus, the rabbi, he jumped at it. He was no longer overlooked. He was no longer thought in in ill repute. Here is this rabbi whose teachings are known far and wide. Look at him and speak to him and say, not just, hey, how you doing? He says, follow me. 
Come with me. Be with me. Beloved, who are you overlooking on your invite list this morning that you encounter regularly that would jump at the chance to not feel forgotten and despised but included and welcomed at a gathering like we are throwing. We should always be checking our lives for people just like Levi to make sure someone isn't forgotten. And let's be clear this morning. Let's be clear. Every one of us has a Levi in our life. Every one of us. The problem is, is that too often we are too self-absorbed in all of our daily interactions to notice. We need to see the Levi's. Secondly, we should remember to not forget on our guest list the people that we used to party with. Notice with me verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. Now that he had been recognized by Jesus, the rabbi that everyone was talking about, the rabbi that everyone was flocking to here, Levi could have forgotten his friends. He could have forgotten the ones who, when he didn't have community because he wasn't welcome in the synagogue and he wasn't welcome with all the, the good people, he, he could have forgotten those people who had provided him a sense of community. He could have forgotten those people who had uh, not uh, treated him with scorn and contempt. But he didn't. In fact, he went out of his way to throw a party to introduce them to Jesus. To show to them the one who is the source of relationship. To show to them the one who is the source of sustenance. <clears throat> the problem is that most of the time as Christians, we forget those people that we used to party with. We forget those people because, well, we know how sinful we used to be. And we don't want to hang out with those people anymore. Because we don't want them to drag us down back to where we got out of. <clears throat> and only in a few cases, beloved, do I believe that they'll have that power to do it. Indeed, I think that each of us are representatives to those people to pick them up out of the mire and put them on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. But the statistics prove that the longer we are a Christian, the less non-Christian friends we have. The more we forget the folks that we used to party with. Oh, beloved, we can't forget the ones who helped us get here. We need to remember them and go back to them and reach them and share with them hope. And therein is the important thing that we must always remember as we prepare for the party. To never forget the main thing of life. What is that? Notice with me. Verses 30 through 32. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus says quite clearly here that his mission, his, his whole purpose, his being is to call people to repentance. And let us take a moment and remember what repentance is. Repentance is being shown that we are not in right standing with God in a position in our life and turning around from that place and returning back to God to be in right standing with him. 
Now let me share with you a secret. The hardest people to convince that they are sinners, that there is something wrong with them, for the most part are not the people driving up and down the streets of Burlington this morning. If you went to to Walmart and and took a poll of all the people that are shopping right now, I I dare say that many of them wouldn't say to you, "I, I know I do wrong. And some of them might even say, I know I need to be in church. I just don't care. It's not that we need to convince them, beloved, that they need repentance. I think the problem is that we need to convince ourselves. We need to convince ourselves that we need repentance. You see, the Pharisees this morning in the text think there's nothing wrong with them. And Jesus says, you're sick. You don't think you're sick, but you're sick. And beloved, every single one of us, (coughs) pardon me, Every single one of us this morning are sick. We all have sin in our life. We all have sin that we don't want to deal with. We all have sin that that makes us comfortable. We all have it. It's just important for us to recognize that and say we're tired of it and deal with something of it. But so often in our zeal for God, we don't want to look like sinners. And so we forget how great grace is because we don't taste it nearly as much. Let us never forget that we too are sinners who need every day to lay our hearts bare before a holy God and plead with him earnestly to expose the perniciousness in our souls and say, forgive me that I may be one with you. It's hard, beloved, but it's necessary. Now, if you do this, if you make repentance and the need for repentance for everyone, the center, the main thing, it will be quite a party that you're throwing. There'll be much rejoicing Dare I say that the worship may be exuberant and boisterous. There will be no room for reserved piety. I didn't get to watch the game yesterday, but I saw the highlight reel in which North Carolina State came from behind there at the last And they were given God's favor with a shot that went in and won them the game from an old boy from eastern Kentucky. Now, from what I saw, there was not a single North Carolina State fan in attendance there yesterday who, when given the grace of a win said, yeehaw. They didn't go. What did they do? I can't do it. My voice is is leaving me. I can't scream loud enough to do it right now. Besides, it might wake some of you up. They jumped for joy. They were exuberant. They had tasted grace. I don't know if state deserved to win or not, but I know how I am on the other end when Carolina doesn't deserve to win and they win. Beloved, the party is boisterous if we've tasted grace and know whom we're celebrating. Because we have found repentance and grace. But it will make the neighbors mad. Because they haven't tasted that grace. Notice the text. 
Verse 33. And they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And then they will fast in those days. Jesus says, you don't even, you can't even figure it out, guys. You're not happy when John's disciples are, are, are fasting. And you're not happy when mine are sitting down in gluttons of grace. And you're supposed to be the religious folks. Jesus says, why wouldn't they celebrate? They're experiencing the overflow of grace. Why wouldn't we sit and, 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 and dine with these folks? The bridegroom is here. I'm here. The party's here. Of course we should celebrate. Beloved, if you're not celebrating today, you need to ask yourself, where is the grace of God in your life? And if you're not celebrating today, you should also ask yourself this question. Are the neighbors not complaining? None of us want the neighbors to complain, right? No. We want to be good neighbors. But on this instance, the neighbors should complain. All of the religious folk around us should complain. Because when they encounter us, they should find something so completely different that they say, what do they got? And I, I don't know if I like that. Because they're still hung up. They're still missing the party. And we want to be the party. And the truth of the matter is, so do they. And the only way that they're going to get the party, which in, in these terms is the only way that revival will come, is if one after another, people start complaining and seeing what they need and know they need grace and go and get more from someone else and it goes streaking, streaking along like a ripple effect. The saddest people in this text to me this morning are the Pharisees. When I read this text, the, the question that jumps out to me most is, why are these jokers here? They could have stayed behind. <clears throat> but Jesus says to Levi, follow me. And Levi says, hey, we're going to have a party. And so they go to the party. They've got to send out all the invitations to the party. And so the Pharisees have, have something that they can just, they, at any point, they can, they can go away. But no, they, they got to follow because they don't want to miss anything. And really, they're standing outside here, and they're looking in at the party, and they're complaining about the party, and they're complaining about what Jesus is doing. And really, to me, they're miserable because they really want to get into it, and they just can't. They can't bring it within themselves to change. They cannot say in themselves, I might have been wrong about how I've seen this. In other words, they can't repent. And so to them, Jesus says, Don't be afraid. Notice the text. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wine skins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new for he says, the old is good. Jesus says, Nobody in their right mind. This is the Mark translation, by the way. Nobody in their right mind would, would have an old garment and go to Belk and buy a new garment and bring it home and rip up the new garment to fix the old garment. They'd say, well, the old garment can't be fixed. It was good. It was always good. I love it. But I need to move on to the new thing. 
It's hard to do that because we have such attachment to the old garment. I know. Eliza will vouch for this. There are clothes I just cannot bring myself to throw away. I have t-shirts from college that I long ago quit being able to fit in. And that are sacred, they're so holy. But I cannot get rid of them. But I need to. Jesus said, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Because if you do, you'll lose everything. You can't have new wine and put it in the old wineskins because you like the old wineskin, but you want to try the new wine. Because if you do that, the old wineskin is going to burst. And then you're not going to have the new wine or the old wineskin that you cherish. And Jesus said, don't <clears throat> summarily dismiss the new wine because you've had the old and the old is good. And, and well, why should I try something new? Jesus says, don't be afraid to change. Because I'm here and I'm the party. I've brought grace upon grace upon grace. So the question this morning, beloved, is that... The arrival of Jesus in our life should always invoke change and we need to prepare for that. And the question is, are you? Are you preparing for it? Are you preparing for it and embracing it or are you preparing for it and fighting it? If you want to come closer to the presence of God, it will require you to change. If you want to know grace more and more so that you have this, this life source of the party, it will require you to change. To live a party lifestyle every day of your life will require change. Now we can either be Pharisees who are miserable looking in on the party or we could be inside the party having fun with Jesus. The question is, which do you be? Which do you be? Let us never be ones who peer in and say, man, I wish that was me. But let us be the ones that other people will peer in at and say, man, how do I get to be like that? Is change on your shopping list today? Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord, there are a multitude of things that we need. To prepare for the party. We, need, we do need to remember, Lord, if there's someone we have forgotten. We, we need to remember, Lord... Also, that grace will change us if we just let it. And so, Lord, we pray today that you would just speak to us. That you would speak to us and call us to change. Call to our minds people that we need to remember. Call, Lord, to us the shopping list of our souls. that, Lord, we would be the party. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.